All right, everyone, I want you to stand up right now. Take out your phones. Take a selfie with your neighbor. It's time to get social. Welcome to the 7th Amazing Race 28 recap episode of the URT Moon Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as ever is the guy who, as of this week, has put up with me for 100 podcasts, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And the lady who has grooved at many a wedding, Michelle Pierce-Denneman. Ah, yes I have. See, slightly more respectful than last week's intro, Michelle. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I'm really disappointed Ben has not joined us because his, his intro is quite bitchy this week. Oh, we'll well, never hear don't it. hold it back from us now. You gotta tell us what your intro for Ben was gonna be. It was our little Australian prick who always draws blood, Ben Powell. Jeez, <laughs> oh, you work hard on those things, don't you? You have no idea. I, I literally, when I'm bored at work on a Saturday, I just think of intros. <laughs> practice in front of a mirror. You gotta practice the delivery of it too. I just do it in my head because I. Uh, it's the only thing that I can do at work for the podcast. Because I can't type up my notes, obviously, so I have to uh, have to try and think of things and then giggle to myself when they're mean. <laughs> and I think it is fair to say that this was the best episode of the season by a mile. By 27,000 miles, some would say. Yeah. There hasn't been a fantastic episode of this season until now. Because I, I would say that this was a fantastic episode. There was a good range of things happening and... You know, at least they were split up a bit more. So, previously, seven teams raced from France's Alps to Yerevan in Armenia. At the detour, Bernie and Ashley blazed their way to the front of the pack, while Tyler and Corey were left stranded. Uh, Sherry and Cole began the roadblock in front, but Kurt and Brody finished ahead of them, winning the leg and the all-powerful express pass, while Sherry and Cole broke down, but everyone kept on racing. The all-powerful express pass, of course, in quotation marks. Yeah, massive sarcasm quotes. Yeah, after they'd completed a task in... I think this is the first time Phil Kogan has used the word jiffy on The Amazing Race. I didn't know that was in his lexicon. Jiffy? I didn't hear him. When did he say that? He said Kurt changed the oil in a jiffy. Ah. It is quite an Antipodean word. Mind you, if he was Australian, he would have probably called it a jiffo. Because everything has an O at the end of... No, we say jiffy. We don't say jiffo. Righto, bingo, jiffo. Every Australian word has an O at the end. It's a legal requirement. Oh, no, everyone's nickname has an O at the end, yeah. <laughs> that is true. You'd be Harmo. He'd be Harmo? Fi- he'd be Kogo. Phil <laughs> <Still> Kogo? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kogo was a uh, GTA 3 a- advert, actually. I thought Kogo was a country in Western Africa. Isn't Africa a country? According to some teams, yes. And Switzerland is a province. And is this the first time in a while that Phil has adopted the Alan Wu slash John Montgomery style of trying to pun? Yeah, he's been 
I think there was budget cuts that uh, stopped him from doing as much many puns as he would occasionally do in past seasons, not quite to the Alan Will extreme. But at least with this leg, you know, they threw in the extra dollars, hired a writer, and he was able to say that teams are going to take a midnight train to Georgia. I loved how he was facing the other way and he just turned back and said it. <laughs> and yes, teams will be taking the midnight train to Georgia. That was so good. I personally like taking the midnight train to anywhere. That song just reminds me of 30 Rock now, with their version of it. <laughs> so yeah, teams must now take the midnight train to Georgia and find the Statue of St. George in Tbilisi's Freedom Square to find their next clue. And once they get there, Scott and Blair's taxi driver has pulmonary obstructive disease, according to Scott. That was pretty gross. That, that was the hashtag <laughs> of the episode, pulmonary obstructive disease. <laughs> Not of this choreography or whatever the hell they came up with. Did you notice that they referred to the St. George statue as the Slayer of Dragons? Where was Coach from oh. Survivor? Shouldn't he be on the statue in the middle of Freedom Square in Tbilisi? Coach should have been standing at the clue box, handing out clues. Has anyone ever been to Freedom Square? I have. <laughs> Coach reference. He could have told this crazy story about uh, paddling across the Caspian Sea and being chased by a by a group of Azerbaijani warriors and then being tied up and then slipping out of the ropes and escaping and then paddling across the rest of the sea into northern Iran. That was random. <laughs> And once teams get to the Statue of St. George, they have to head to the Narakala Fortress and take the gondola across the river before heading to the Javari Monastery to find their next clue. And did you notice that despite the fact Kurt and Brody were by far first to the clue box, it was Tyler and Corey who got to read the clue? Yeah. I hear that Corey prefers the highs over the lows on The Amazing Race. And I think Matt, with the... Him living in the mountains and snowboarding for 10 years probably identifies with the highs as well. And there's just some wonderful taxi scenes in this in this bit of the episode especially, but there are some wonderful taxi scenes of just, no, you too fat, get out. <laughs> I was wondering what was going to happen there. I thought the car was going to start going backwards or something. I love that he said that he was just going to continue up to the, uh, the fortress with an empty car. <laughs> <laughs> For all you know, it's the production members that uh, increased the way of the car and maybe not so much Scott and Blair. The taxi driver didn't exactly reveal who exactly was responsible for the taxi being unable to go further uphill. It was just wonderful that he kind of implied that there were some fatties in that car. If only they slid down the hill backwards, though, while driving. That would have that would have been the ultimate take this uh, scene to a comedic ten. It would have been scary more than comedic. Jesus. It, it would have preempted the water slide next week. And and then what could have happened is that Shola and Duane are just slightly behind the taxi and then it runs over Shola's foot by accident. I've had a car run over my foot by accident. It's really heavy. So you mean to tell me that a two-ton death wagon running over your foot is heavy, Michelle? Well, no, I don't think it was two tons. I don't know. It was one of the heaviest cars in Australia at the time. It was my mother. And she rolled onto my foot and she said, bye, like go to school now. And I said, mum, I can't move. I think I was like 10. My foot was stuck under the wheel. Really, wow. really heavy. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God my foot wasn't crushed or bones ruined. And Phil does his greatest on-location report ever in the history of on-location reports. 
oh my god, yes, this was the best one by far. Sneaking up to Tyler Corey and just shouting it in their ears. Yeah, they're trying to read the clue, and then Phil's like, Tyler and Corey are, are first to the route marker in this in this detour. Uh, it's like, damn it, I'm trying to read this clue, Phil. You know, my <laughs> no. favorite thing is the fact that occasionally with odd location reports, we get teams actually reacting to Phil. They did not acknowledge his presence. They just kept on reading the clue and ignored the hell out of him. <laughs> he should have like started like he needed like a air horn or something like that just to just to buzz in their ear too. <laughs> Tyler and Corey are first. Yeah, Phil just kept getting closer because they weren't actually talking to him. <laughs> Isn't somebody gonna talk to me? I'm right here, guys. I'm right in your ear. Is this is this annoying you, Tyler? Is this annoying you, Corey? What if I just keep going on and on with this explanation? You're never going to be able to finish reading your clue. It's like, damn it, guys, acknowledge Kogo. So once teams get to the Javari Monastery, it's the detour, which is clean or string. And in clean, teams must make their way to a winery and clean a gigantic clay pot to use for making wine to the satisfaction of the judge to receive their next clue. Hey, Michael, I thought clean is that uh, the racers get to clean uh, Zach's stinky feet that he mentioned. See, if this was Hammerarts, they would actually just take them to a uh, a mud spa and make them clean some random Georgian man. Because that actually happened. No joke. Oh, that did happen in the Georgia League? They yeah. actually cleaned a, cleaned yeah. a person? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are a couple of Hammerarts uh, links to this leg. But I was looking at all the locations for this leg and comparing them to the Hammerarts ones. There were a few crossovers, but one of them was indeed... Head to this Tbilisi spa and clean a muddy man who you've never met before to get your next clue. That's so gross. <laughs> what if he has warts, like really contagious, like oh, warts all over his skin? Stop. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the hair. Because they're generally hairy, you know? Wash oh the God. epidermis. <sighs> who wants to wash me? <laughs> oh, no, that's worse. <laughs> Logan, water wash me. <laughs> Prepare the sponge. Scrub. <laughs> and we wonder why Hamrods had to go off the air for a year. Emulsify me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of Zach and, and Rachel, uh, apparently each of them wears one half of the pants in the relationship. That must be really hard to uh, run in. Well, they, they constantly take part in a, uh, a three-legged race. I've not even done the description for string yet, may I point out. Uh, in string, teams must thread five strings of 20 hazelnuts, a Georgian delicacy called chichella, and glaze them with, to the satisfaction of the judge to receive the next clue. And, in the first of the Hammerots links, Hammerots did also have a uh, detour called Chichella, which involved teams having to sell them on the streets. Question. So Americans make them, and then Israelis sell them. Why didn't anyone put the nut on the table and stab it with the needle, instead of doing it in the air? Because I suspect it probably would have gone everywhere, and then you're playing with needles and trying to hold the nut in place, and then probably stabbing your finger more... And then you yeah, talk medical, and it. then you get I mean, medivacs, and you know. Oh, just 
it's not Survivor. Um, but seriously, there's easier ways to do every sort of craft thing and none of them thought of it. And when I've had to do craft, you, you tend to, anything hard to stab, you put on a hard surface and you stab it that way. No one thought of it. Don't get it. I guess they prefer to stab their fingers rather than the nuts. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, stabbing your nuts would be pretty painful. I wouldn't know. It's probably for the best that Ben isn't in this uh, in this podcast because he would probably not be very <laughs> approving of any nut puns, especially as Tyler and Corey did run them into the ground. Yeah, they pretty much between them and Kurt and Brody, between all the nut jokes and the bleeding nuts and everything else in between, I have no other puns to add. <laughs> And Bernie says, let the record state that this is the first time that Ashley has ever turned down wine. I like this side of Bernie and Ashley. This is what I hoped for with them. Just sort of not getting into any conflict, but also just sort of having a little uh, joke with each other. Entertaining me. Yes. They, they, they always come up with these random stories and factoids to tell the audience. And they, they, they always, yeah, they, they just find a way to entertain us this way. They're not sure they're not trying too hard at it. it just comes about naturally for them. You know what's amusing is that with the detour detour choice, the only team to initially choose the clean option was the only mother that's in the whole cast. No one else wanted to clean. Let me tell you, I wouldn't have cleaned either. That woman was a crazy woman. Why would you want to clean? Still, it seemed to be the easier task once you got the hang of it. Yeah, this was the Amazing Race classic of hard task nearby, easy task far away. And just think, if they just put in a few more holes in the winery, uh, the winery could rent it out to play a human version of Whack-A-Mole, which would be pretty fun, I think. Yeah, I was quite close to putting the banner this week of Sherry with her head popping out of the the clay pot. (laughs) Yeah, I think that the winery was probably more fun, but I'm not sure whether I would have picked it depending on how far away it was. I think down one of the other holes was probably Baby Jessica. From? Do you not know the story about Baby Jessica, the random toddler who fell down a well or something like 20 years ago, and there was this whole yes. big TV yes. thing about it? Uh, getting her I remember. <laughs> I remember. 20 years ago, I was three, Logan. It's another 90s reference, Michael. This is this is what you have to put up with. To be fair, the Canada has only just got the 90s. I'm, I should be used to it. <laughs> Ricky Martin is just really popular here right now, believe it or not. <laughs> the, the, the Moffats are still uh, hovering the top of the charts, uh, as well as Hanson. Um, Wayne Gretzky, oh man, you should see Wayne Gretzky on ice. It is quite spectacular. Wayne Gretzky's restaurant, I will vouch for, is awesome. Been there in Toronto. <laughs> are there Ford vehicles uh, everywhere in Wayne Gretzky's restaurant? No, but it is next to Second City, which is a great night. And yes, the uh, the desserts there are themed around uh, ice hockey pucks. Interesting. <laughs> Did anyone notice the name of the winery? No. Nope. Oh, it was named after everyone's favourite Disney villain, Iago from Aladdin. The Iago Winery? It was Iago's winery. Couldn't it have been named after Othello as opposed to Aladdin, though? I guess it's up to our interpretation if they were going with a Gilbert Gottfried reference or a Kenneth Branagh reference. Yeah, the the choice is me doing a Gilbert Gottfried impression or me doing a Kenneth Branagh impression, and you know which one I'm going to go for. It's it's actually it actually makes sense that there is nobody at the Iago Winery if it is based off of Gilbert Gottfried, 
because I have a feeling this voice doesn't bring in too many people to the winery. And please, please tell me that you guys have both seen the Gilbert Gottfried Reads Fifty Shades of Grey audiobook. No, I haven't. Oh, I'm so disappointed mm. in you. Sorry, I don't have some literary god to tell me about these things. My inner goddess! <laughs> Jesus, Michael, you can't have this on. <laughs> Note to self, in over in a hundred podcasts of podcasting together with Michael, it's him reading Fifty Shades of Grey as Gilbert Gottfried is the thing that makes him laugh the most. May I point out, I am not making that up. That is an actual YouTube video. Oh yeah, I, I believe eat, it. But I you guys need that. to be on. Anyways, with the detour, with the with the candy detour. Um, Oh, with how many times that uh, Kurt and Brody and Taylor and Corey were stabbing themselves in the fingers and making themselves bleed, I was really waiting for um, Mr. Butterfingers incident from the movie UHF. Minus the, I didn't think the blood was going to spurt everywhere as much as it did with Mr. Butterfingers, but uh, it was it was getting pretty close. And this is actually the third or fourth episode this season where at least one person in the race has made their fingers bleed. Yeah, I think this might have been the first time that I've actually appreciated Kurt and Brody all season, because I was very entertained by Brody continually yelping whenever he stabbed himself with a needle. Just a couple of bros creating self-inflicting wounds! <laughs> In the Caucasus. Caucasus. Caucasus or Caucasus? I think it's Caucasus. I think it's Caucasus. I think you're wrong. Caucasus is something to do with the Parliament. Yeah, I think... No, that's like, Caucasus. I am a Caucasus. Caucasus. I think it's Caucasus refers to the region, and Caucasus would be the plural for the government thing. That'd be Caucasus. Say it ten times in a row, go. Caucasus, Caucasus, Caucasus. Caucasus. The problem is, I can do it. I've got Logan in my ears just going, Caucasus, Caucasus. That's what Phil Kogan, that's what Phil Kogo should have done to Tyler and Corey. He should have come up with like a nursery rhyme, like, you. Two, two Caucasians in the Caucasus, or something like that. Hashtag Kogo. Phil Kogan is a Caucasian in the Caucasus. <laughs> it's Kogo the monkey. God, stop! Well, they, this podcast subtitle should just be us trying to make Michelle cry with laughter again. <laughs> I am crying. I'm crying. I've, I've only ever managed it once, which, which is Bertram! <laughs> oh, that was a good one, that one. And Dana and Matt and Tyler and Corey become the first teams this season to switch detours through choice. You know what was funny to me, especially with with uh, Dana and Matt in the taxi, when they were trying to go towards the winery the first time, when the driver's like, oh, it's going to be uh, about 10 to 20 more minutes. And it just reminded me just how, you know, that we're really in the newer seasons when Dana and Matt are freaking out about it taking 10 to 20 minutes to get to a detour option when back in the older seasons i don't think it would have been as big of a deal for other teams it really shows just how much shorter these rounds are on a reoccurring basis nowadays is this the point where we have to start defending dana as well because i've seen a lot on all the pages of oh dana's horrible to that taxi driver she wasn't horrible to him she was asking him and he wasn't giving her an answer in all fairness though it was just because he couldn't speak English. I do agree with you that Dana's getting more hate than she deserves, especially because 
last week, there were she didn't say a single word in the episode in all of last week, and then people were hating on her because of an expression she had on her face in response to, I think, a scene where teams were helping other teams or something like that. And it was just a random, like, just a random expression she had on her face, which had no context for it. And people were saying, oh, she's just the worst for that alone. Yeah, Dana is our, our required defendee this season, I suspect. Because every season there's always one person who we end up having to defend because the internet hates them. It's usually female. It was Justin last year, but it's usually female. Haley's a great example. And yeah, Dana's getting way too much trouble. She isn't even on as much to get that hate. So Zach and Rachel are the first to leave uh, String with Bernie and Ashley in second, Kurt and Brody in third. Uh, Sherry and Cole leave clean in fourth, with Scott and Blair leaving string in fifth, and Daniel and Matt leaving clean in sixth, and Tyler and Corey leaving clean in last. And teams must now find the Rustavelli National Theatre to find their next clue. Was it a wise strategy for uh, Scott and Blair to uh, wait it out at the string detour? It depends on your skill set, because I think clean would probably be an easier detour, but they knew where string was, and if they were having trouble with the taxi drivers, it probably is best to just wait it out in the place you know. I guess with Scott's profession, like, he would be using needles and stuff, would be he'd be able to do that very precisely. I mean, it'd be more catered to Scott if there was a fighting crime bit of it, but... Yeah, if there was, if it was like, you know, catch this Georgian criminal, you know, Scott would be on the case. But here it was, like, using needles and being very, I mean, motor skills, very... Very strong motor skills. That's something that would be up his alley. And Scott and Blair's taxi uh, stops for gas on the way, which actually probably screws them. At least, mm. unlike Nehru and Kapil's taxi from Amazing Race Asia 3, at least this one was close enough to the pumps. And this is the first episode ever with two on-location reports, because now Phil's back to try and distract Zach and Rachel. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> he needs to really try and scare the crap out of them. Uh, in future episodes, like pop out of a bush or something like that, and just be like, ah! <laughs> you know, uh, Zach and Rachel first of the roadblock, and then you know Zach just topples over or something and falls off the stage. Just, just something like that. Just give him a little scare. Come on, come on, Phil. How bored was Phil when he has to just sneak around Georgian locations, scaring the crap out of races? He he needs a megaphone too. The mega that's 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 a requirement I think for Amazing Race Twenty Nine is. He needs the megaphone for on for the on location uh, reporting. They need to just bring it to ridiculous lengths of Phil hiding and just scaring the living crap out of people. And have like a decoy there, like have a travelocity gnome like for teams to go up to, and then Phil can just sneak up behind them. Did you see that cow get shooed away from the winery? I have a theory that that I posted online saying that I think the cow must have been a. Uh, diehard fan of reality fan forum trying to get inside information on what was going on because the person working at the winery turned that cow away pretty quickly if i could have got a good enough screen cap to make it the banner this week it would have been the banner this week because it was just wonderfully ridiculous that it appeared or the cat that was hanging around all the candy it was sleeping on it or i think it was a cat or was it a dog the one the animal that was like sleeping on its back just uh just for kicks i think it was a cat is it a black black cat yeah, it was a black cat. Yeah. yeah, that was just like sleeping on its back. Actually, my sister's uh, Shih Tzu uh, 
I remember just growing up for the first few years, uh, she would always uh, sleep on her back, too, as if she were trying to be human, <laughs> which I always found kind of amusing. So once teams get to the theatre, it's a roadblock, which is who is light on their feet. And in this roadblock, one team member must join Georgia's National Ballet and perform a very fast routine to the satisfaction of the judge to receive the next clue. And it's Zach, Ashley, Kurt, Sherry, Dana, Corys, and Scott doing the roadblock. And more Hammer Arts news... Teams also had to learn a complex dance routine in the in one of the Georgia legs of Hammerots, but it was actually even more uh, complex than this because it involved both sabers and balancing a glass bottle on your head. <laughs> because Hammerots. Jeez. Oh, Hammerots. So Hammerots just takes any task idea and cranks it up to fifteen. Masonry's Canada keeps it around like eight, nine, or a ten. And then Amazing Race US just softens it up to like a 5 or a 6 or a 4 or a 3. Yeah, this is actually quite a fun task. I know I moan about tasks that we can't really talk about, but I think this is actually kind of a a fun task to watch. It was a really fast dance, but it was easy. But they just had to get the speed up. Yeah, especially when you then go back and watch uh, Corey's first attempt at it, which made me laugh so much because of how slow he was. It was like he'd been just delayed completely and it just made me giggle because i knew straight away that he had no chance they mustn't have had the music out the back also because they a lot of them didn't know how fast to go yeah it, well it was all done live though wasn't it It wasn't like it was a piped in one the last dance task like this we had was probably the um active route info in thailand in 26 in the uh, uh my way Car- cabaret whereas yeah. they had piped in music it wasn't done live so you know what would have been great is if they had like two different dances going on. One is the dance that we saw this episode, and then right beside these contestants, they also had to learn the Japan dance from the first round of twenty six, just to notice the huge speed difference. So you see a group of people intentionally going in slow motion, and then you know freaking the Georgia dance that's on like a fast forward cassette tape. And as soon as Kurt and Brody got there, I remembered a fun fact from the bios, which is that Kurt said he'd been salsa dancing, and that was one of his hobbies. I was like, yeah, Kurt's doing it. Who knew Kurt had as much of a background in dance as Dana and Matt? Would not have expected that. Although br- the prospects of Brody doing it would have been hilarious. Yes. He would have just shouted the whole, like, there's no way he could be light on his feet. If his dancing is equivalent to the booming nature of his voice, each step would have just echoed throughout the throughout the theater. Yeah, you see, like, Zach whispering, four, five, six, seven, eight, and uh, just Brody going, four, five, six, B, five, four, thumb. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, with Zach, he also has a dancing background. The magician, apparently... He used to tap dance. Yeah, I hear his instructor uh, was at the Georgian dance, and Zach was complaining about it. And his tap dance instructor reminded him that when she was a little girl, they used to kill for a tapa tapa tapa. Simpsons reference. Mm-hmm. It's over my head. Yeah, and I've not watched Simpsons in a while, so. And Scott does it apparently because Blair has seen him dance at weddings. He can groove. Why? I don't understand why Blair wouldn't do it. She's young. I mean, I'm not saying because Scott's older he can't get it, but generally young girls can get something faster than older dads. It depends who has the skill set. Everyone was criticising Sherry for doing that uh, oil change roadblock 
last week instead of Cole, but, you know, she's the handy one of the team. There is an explanation for this that went unaired. Apparently, Blair was having significant knee trouble or something like that, where she couldn't put any weight on her one leg, so she assumed that she would not... She figured out, I think, that it was going to be a dance task, but that she wouldn't have the mobility to... uh, to re- really move or even move that fast to get the dance down. Like even at the start right. of the season, I remember she was saying she was saying online that uh, Scott is a faster runner than her. And then if she's already having mobility issues throughout the race, then it, it probably maybe does make sense to throw your dad out onto the dance floor. I've seen my dad dance, and even if both of my knees were wrecked, I would probably still volunteer for a dance task <laughs> over him. But Blair was trying, it wasn't like Blair was being an idiot in this situation or anything. She was taking a calculated risk, saying that maybe uh, two healthy knees from dad is going to trump one healthy knee from the daughter. Definitely. They actually said it in the foot race that, oh, Scott said something like, I can outrun them in a foot race, can you? As if it's a challenge. I, I, I'll, I'll keep us in the race. Are you going to blow it? <laughs> Are you going to suck at life, Blair? If you, if you ruin this for us, I'm greater than you at the age of 50 than you were at the age of 22. And I was picking up on some slightly subtle hints that maybe Dana likes dancing. <laughs> this is the She's longest I've gone without dancing. I mean, it was really, really subtle, but I think Dana might actually enjoy dancing. Are we going to follow that joke up, or are we just going to sit here in awkward no, silence? No, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> no, just just awkward silence. <laughs> I mean, she's only been dancing since the age of two. I mean, a true professional dancer would just be, you know, doing somersaults and pirouettes right out of the womb. I mean, come on now, like... She joined the game really late, and, I mean, she's never gone more than three weeks without dancing. Well, I hear Kurt's a salsa dancer, and they don't go more than five days without dancing. In fact, he goes back and forth between his ultimate frisbee practices and his salsa dancing uh, dance class in Florida. So, there you go. She should have come out of the womb with some flair, at least. Yeah, Brooke and Claire flair. Might I add? Just like, hello world, I'm here. Yeah. So there's actually the one of the nurses in the delivery room when Dana was born uh, was in control of operating the spotlight right when uh, Dana put on the top hat and started doing a few spins right in the delivery room. Uh, so Birdie and Ashley are the first to leave with Zach and Rachel in second, Kurt and Birdie in third, Dana and Matt in fourth, Sherry and Cole in fifth, Scott and Blair in sixth, and Tyler and Corey in last again. And teams must now find the Bridge of Peace, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to, and I quote from Phil in his description, reach the mat may be eliminated. Not the last team to check in here. They don't get to keep their wigs from the roadblock. What the hell is that? Someone had a wig on at the, the mat. Sherry definitely did. Oh, right, yeah. So she got to keep the Lenny Kravitz wig. And Bernie and Ashley get taken to the wrong park. Then Scott accidentally takes Tyler's bag, because he didn't realise Blair had picked his up. And Tyler goes a little bit Rupert Bodum. <laughs> oh, don't. Don't. <laughs> you can start again. Don't. Don't do what, Michelle? <laughs> oh, Rupert. You're going to do Rupert. Who the fuck took my backpack? You snake motherfuckers. <laughs> was that really the fastest dance, though, in Amazing Race history, as Kurt claimed? I think it was probably one of them. No, you know what? I think it was. 
It was very fast. I mean, there's been like 20 dances in Amazing Race Canada, so I can't recall all of them off the top of my head. The Cossack dancing that they do occasionally is pretty fast, but I don't think it was as fast as that one. That one was very fast. Or what about Dan and Andrew's speed bump from Amazing Race 13? I felt like that one was pretty fast in uh, Russia there. No, I don't think anything has been this fast off the top of my head. I'm sure someone will correct me, but I don't think it has. Uh, So, Zach and Rachel are the first team to check in. And they win a trip to Turks and Caicos. And what else do they win, Michelle? Um, um, Come on, what do I always ask you to do? I don't know what you're talking about. What is the one word that you always say when I, I point it out? Oh, he said it very fast. I was very disappointed. He said he was it like, like a verbal dancer. he didn't really want to say it. I was, I was like, no, it's got to be elongated out. Bah. But they don't win breakfast in bed, so that sucks. But they win butler service. Butler service. As soon as you said butler service, I thought they're going to go for breakfast in bed. They're going to go for breakfast in bed. No, they disappointed me, meanies. It needs to be like a Jeeves-esque uh, butler. That's the only way I would approve of butler service. What completely outdated search engine? <laughs> yeah, just just be uh, yeah that too that too, but just be really over the top. Uh, 19, I don't know, like 1850s style butler. Has Ask Jeeves actually made it to Canada yet, or are you still on Alta Vista? Yeah, actually, we did get Ask Jeeves just a week ago. He finished his run on the Monopoly uh, video game for Super Nintendo, so it all works out. And did you know, Michael, that Turks and Caicos, like, this is, I'm being serious about this, but uh, yeah, it's going to be possibly be our 11th or uh, our 11th province. We did actually discuss this uh, during Tarkan last year. I'm very surprised that Amazing Race Canada has never been there. It seems like the sort of thing they would do. Yeah, like just in the past month, there's been another big push for us to pick it up as our 11th province, which is really interesting. And then it'll go down to 10 when Quebec leaves again. Mm-hmm. Gone to the guy who owns millions of dollars. <laughs> and Bernie and Ashley get second place again, with Curtin Brody in third, Dana and Martin in fourth, uh, Sherry and Cole in fifth, and they know how to find pit stops because they just look for attractive women. And Cole gets shut down. I think Phil was slightly uh, hurt by the fact that Sherry didn't call him attractive. <laughs> he's going to be, he's really self-conscious, I guess, about his looks. Like, it's going to be really awkward at the rest of the pit stops because Phil's going to be, like, flexing and probably doing push-ups and stuff being like, um, am I good enough now? But then if, if teams just keep uh, making fun of him, you know, I'm I'm really worried about the guy. Well, he just wanted to be the centre of attention this week because he started shouting at, uh, at teams during the on-location report and <laughs> now he's drawing attention to himself. You guys don't even pay attention to me. I put all this effort in over the past 15 years and this is how you repay me? Amazing Race was supposed to be good and fun. <laughs> we don't even go to Nepal. And in a foot race for sixth place, Tyler and Corey's taxi drives on the pavement and gets him sixth place. And uh, Scott and Blair's taxi nearly runs over Tyler in the process. It was very I close. Saw that. And that then leaves Scott and Blair to become the last team to check in. And this time they are eliminated. Aww. It's amazing though that they made it this far because they made it seven rounds in and all the way to seventh place. And yet their average overall is like 7.2 or 7.3 or something like 7. that. 7.43. Yeah, which is really high to make it that far into the race. So making it this far, especially with already surviving a, an opening round of non-elimination, like this is a huge string of, of I guess, of just being somewhat lucky to, uh, you know, still just barely make it by each and every single time. I think they have the second worst seventh place average of all time. 
there is only one team who has beaten them, and it is another US one. Who? Micro and Kanan. Oh yeah, 7.67. It is, which we'll be talking about next week, because we have the glorious return of water slides. Yes. Can I just um, say you two are like machines? Michael, do you have that list in front of you right now? Yes. Okay, that's all right. Logan, how did you know it was that point whatever six? What the hell? 7.67. Did you just pull just that knew. out of your head? Yeah, I know that Jesus. off the top of my head, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, there are some stats like that that I know off the top of my head, like the worst average of a fifth placer of all time, which is wonderfully close to Scott and Blair, actually. 6.9. Yeah, like David and Mary's average after playing two seasons is 6.91, I believe. Mark and Rilda Wilson's is 1.43. Eric and Jeremy's is 1.69. Megan and Shane are at 2.0 even, which okay. I think Nally and Megan are as well. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I bet you two sometimes can't find your socks or your hat. Is that correct? Um, <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> so next time, teams travel to Dubai. Yay! And they face water slides, a self-drive leg, uh, sand. What? And they race camels on bikes. The camels aren't on bikes, I should clarify. They've got to give them some sort of handicap. Yeah, camels are fast. So we do have a few questions before we predict what's going to happen next week. Uh, and they are all from the same person, Anthony Williams. So I'll go through them quite quickly. He says, I really enjoyed this episode. I'm not a fan of switching tasks, but switching back before you even get to the other side, then going back to the wine task must have taken ages. Do you think it's ever a good idea to switch unless the two sides are in the same location? I think you should switch if you're if you're someone who has to wait for the others to leave. I think generally it's a good idea to move. Depends how many teams are left in the race and where the others are, though, as well. Yeah, you guys know that I'm a gambler, so I would always say switch if you need to. You don't know what the other side's going to be like. I personally would avoid switching as much as possible if it if the two detour options are that far away. Although it didn't really hurt uh, Dana and Matt uh, in this situation or, uh, or uh, Tyler and Corey. Anthony also says that dance task looked really hard, yet the teams appeared to get through fairly quickly. Do you think some sequences may have been shortened applies to this leg? Just to make the races look good, it seems odd that we haven't seen any attempt number 17 style tasks this season. I think it was because they were easy steps. They weren't too hard and and it was just fast yeah I, th- I think it was more about getting the the speed up there than any of the moves because i think the judge was actually fairly lenient with certain moves it was more about your arm movements and everything than anything else yeah masonry's candidates always super strict or they have really complex and longer dance moves so that's why in the canadian version they lo- they love doing their dance tasks and every time there's always people that are up to 10 or 15 attempts or well, sometimes more than that and then here i think the what was the most? Six or seven? Yeah, about six or seven. And Anthony Williams' last question is, are we any closer to seeing a winner edit yet? Uh, it's usually becoming obvious by now, but with everyone being edited very positively, it's tricky this season. Uh, not for Zach and Rachel. Not for Zach and Rachel, because their their storyline just seems like it just ended with them winning this leg. Yeah, I think there's probably at least half of the teams you can discount. Dean and Matt, for sure, are not getting a winner's edit based on casual fan reaction alone. <laughs> However, we have seen teams like Freddie and KK Kendra win with the terrible edit. But that was that was that's different though. That was back in the early days of reality TV when it was much more popular and especially with the Mason Race being at its peak where it could get away with editing their winners however much they want or ho- however they want. But in recent seasons of Amazing Race, I would say probably for the past, I don't know, 15 seasons or so, 
as ratings continue to drop, it's very important for the audience to respect and or like who wins. So you're never going to have a winner nowadays, especially in the U.S. version with really dwindling ratings, to create a winner's edit that's going to just piss off the audience. You're not going to do that. It's too risky. What about Laura and Tyler with the potatoes? That was uh, 20 signatures on the petition does not count as a negative edit. Haley got a much worse edit uh, during 26. I think the one team I would actually discount, and this may be quite controversial, is probably Tyler and Corey. Because their edit is overwhelmingly popular, and it is more common to a team who they're going to bring back for All-Stars than a team who wins the season. Yeah, it'd be, I think with Tyler and Corey it might be too extreme to the one in which is why I think they're just sort of being set up as that uh, fan favorite team. But I would say there is a strong winner's edit with them, especially in contrast to Zach and Rachel or Dana and Matt. I just think that editors know that they're not winning the season, so they're trying to build them up so they can bring them back. So what do we think is going to happen next week? There's a self-drive leg. What else needs to happen? Like... And well, water slides. Water slides and yeah. never, ever, ever are a bad thing on the amazing race. I think they're going yeah, to have like, a lot of people sitting there freaking out waiting for that water slide to drop. Knowing what I know about that water slide, it is one of the ones where you get into a capsule and don't have any control over when you drop. I don't want to ever do one of those. They scare the living daylights out of me. Spoilers for next week. I have done a higher water slide than that and a steeper water slide than that. And a faster water slide than that. Oh, God. Where was that? That was in Florida. Um, I did one called Summit Plummet, which is 120 foot high, I think it is. It was, at the time, the second highest and second fastest in the world. Gets up to about 60 miles an hour, because it's nearly free fall. I'd lose the ability to breathe. And I did it, like, five minutes after a thunderstorm. At the highest point in any of the parks in the surrounding area. Oh, good. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> With water. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So we have those stories to look forward to next week. I can't even be around next week. Really? You're not here next week? No, I'm doing a race on Saturday up in Queensland. Fine. So Fine, whatever, Michelle. I'll, I'll probably be sleeping on the morning up there. Fine, just blows off. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in you. The first self-drive like since the Namibia round of 26, and you're missing out. Yeah, thanks, I Bergen. Know. I love that Bergen takes those jokes in good faith. <laughs> I miss Bergen. So do I. Uh, anything else to say about this leg before we um, disappear for the week and Michelle disappears for two? The pit stop bridge was beautiful. I believe she was That's Miss cool. Planet. It said on her sash. Miss Planet? What was that? It's like Miss Universe, but less, I think. Bizarre. Is it a European thing? I don't think so. I think, it's, I think it's worldwide. Really? Uh, yeah, because George is Asia. I've never heard of this. See, like Miss Planet is just for Earth, but yet Miss Universe is like there could be entrance from Mars or Jupiter or Saturn, <laughs> but you just, they, they just jump over all of them. How could I have not have heard of Miss Planet? I'm a, I'm a girl, for God's sake. Where's Google? She was indeed Miss Planet 2015. Who enters this? Because Australia doesn't. Georgia does, apparently. I hear with Miss mm-hmm. Planet that if you actually pan the camera to the left and then downwards, that you would have seen uh, Miss Little Big Planet uh, at the pit stop as well. Oh my gosh, Australia did enter Miss Planet. What the hell? How did you not know this, Michelle? I have no idea. Did, did you guys It was in all the papers. 
United Kingdom and USA entered. Who runs this thing? Girls. So that's who run the world. Well, <laughs> I was just about to sing it. <laughs> who run the world? Girls. Girls. Oh, I think we need to stop now. <laughs> So, thank you for listening to this You Are Teen Women podcast. You can join us next week to recap episode 8 of the season. If you've got any questions, feel free to uh, contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, at RTV Warriors, or on our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, Log Super Kawaki for Logan, and Bear33333 for Michelle. Thank you, and see you next week. Bye! Hashtag RTV Warriors, hashtag Georgia, hashtag Bill Kogo. Peace! My inner goddess! <laughs>